January 6, 2021 will be a day that few Americans will ever forget. The insurrection at the U.S. Capitol left the country shaken, including Republican lawmakers like Congresswoman Ann Wagner, who felt President Donald Trump bore responsibility for provoking the deadly event. The president needed to take decisive action. He needed to to stop this immediately. He should never have incited this to begin with. And there's more than just fallout for Trump. Republican Senator Josh Hawley is also facing intense criticism and calls for his resignation for being the first senator to object to Joe Biden's presidential victory. Despite the torrent of criticism, Hawley has remained firm that he's not going anywhere. I actually think it's very vital what we do. The opportunity to be heard, to register objections is very vital because this is the place where those objections are to be heard and dealt with debated and finally resolved. On this special edition of Politically Speaking, St. Louis Public Radio's Jacqueline Driscoll and Eric Schmidt joined me to sort through what January 6th means for Illinois and Missouri political figures. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. It's a little complicated in Bolivar because there is a Parsons family there. But we also knew that it was important to make sure that that we got to where we needed to go. You know if you walk in a room and you're getting ready to make a decision and everybody in the room looks like you, you need to stop. And right now what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. We want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio's political correspondent, Jason Rosenbaum. Joining me for this show is St. Louis Public Radio's Metro East reporter, Eric Schmid, and St. Louis Public Radio's State House reporter, Jacqueline Driscoll. So it's been about six days uh, since uh, the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. There's a lot of information and analysis based off what happened last Wednesday from a national perspective about like what what's going to happen with Trump, you know, how this is affect Joe Biden. I, I really want to focus this show on Missouri and Illinois federal delegation and what it means for them and how they're kind of handling the situation going forward. And I'm, I'm not going to bury the lead. We're going to talk about Josh Hawley first, because out of every Missouri or Illinois politician, there is no question that the junior Republican senator from Missouri has received the most attention, the most scorn, and so much has has changed for him since last Wednesday that I, I think it's worth spending a, a great deal of time breaking everything down. Jacqueline, why is Holly in the spotlight right now? Senator Josh Holly has received an avalanche of criticism, and that came almost immediately. Um, he's got critics labeling him as a political opportunist um, because he stood up and did object to the electoral votes, um, which some say this is that he is partly responsible for the riot in Washington, D.C. Last week, um, he was photographed really, uh, you know, just moments before the insurrection on the Capitol, raising his fist in support to the protesters gathered at the Capitol before that violence began. Um, We're seeing some of his most very loyal uh, supporters say that supporting him was the worst mistake they've made, calling him an embarrassment for stoking flames. Um, Just really not a a good week for uh, the senator from Missouri 
Um, so he's received a lot of criticism there. People are calling for his resignation, um, whether that's to come to fruition. Um, I, I don't anticipate that would be what happens, but people are um, requesting that he do that. So since last Wednesday, uh, Josh Hawley has appeared on Tucker Carlson's show. He's released statements decrying uh, his book being canceled. He has released statements on the death, I think, of it, of, of a Capitol Police officer um, and has basically said to other media sources, not us, I, I, I never received a statement from his office, by objecting to Pennsylvania's electoral votes, he was giving voice to people in Missouri that felt that Donald Trump's election was stolen from him. Here is a clip from him on the Senate floor after the insurrection happened and after everybody had been cleared out of the Capitol explaining why he continued to object. And in this country, in the United States of America, we cannot say emphatically enough, violence is not how you achieve change. Violence is not how you achieve something better. Our Constitution was built and put into place so that there would be, in the words of Abraham Lincoln, no appeal from ballots to bullets, which is what we saw, unfortunately, attempted tonight. There are some Republicans, not all, because I've seen people supportive of Holly, like State Representative Hannah Kelly uh, tweeted out her support for Holly uh, today, which is Tuesday. But one person that you talked to that has been especially critical of Holly is State Representative Shemed Dogan, a Republican from Baldwin. Here is just a, a small sample of what he told you, and then I'm going to have you explain more of that conversation. For him to still stand up after seeing a woman lose her life and to not even mention that woman losing her life yesterday during his speeches, Josh Hawley just, I mean, he's lost any respect I had for him, which was pretty low at this point anyway. So Dogan was incredibly angry, would be a good characterization of the conversation I had with him. And, and and I will say that when we spoke, it was the day after everything happened at the Capitol. So everything was still very fresh. But um, Dogan is a Republican who has um, been critical of President Trump. Uh, and I, I believe because of parts of his district, um, the way they fall, he, he it's not an uber conservative district. So we do hear criticism uh, of Trump from Representative Dogan, but to say that uh, Representative Dogan was upset it, it is probably too kind. He, he was very angry by what we saw at the U.S. Capitol. So in addition to uh, a number of like activist groups and Missouri Democratic Party calling for Holly to resign, I've also seen like senators like Patty Murray of Washington also calling on Holly to resign. If I had to guess, I'm not expecting him to. There, There's not a lot of leverage uh, beyond like his book deals being canceled and John Danforth saying he's sorry and Sam Fox and David Humphrey saying they're sorry and saying they're not going to support him. There's not a lot of leverage to like forcibly oust him before 2024 when he's up for election again. And you're you're not really hearing the calls for resignation from people at the top. I'm going to play a clip now from Governor Mike Parson. This was at after he was inaugurated yesterday in Jefferson City. I'm going to play the the question from a KRCG reporter and then the governor's entire answer. Governor, there are many calls for the resignation of Josh Hawley. Do you believe Josh Hawley should resign? Look, there, there's been a lot of discussion on this, and I, I'm going to ask you today if you just 
I, I just want to stay with the inaugural of being governor of the state of Missouri. This is a special day for me and my family. It's a special day for our state. Uh, Washington, D.C., uh, we'll be talking about Washington, D.C. every day from hereafter, probably, on some level on that. You know, everybody has to be responsible for the decisions they make, good or bad indifference. That's what I'll say. But, uh, again, the, today's about the bicentennial and about being sworn in as 57th governor. Um, it should be noted that Holly and Parsons shared a common political consultant for a while, James Harris. But I want to bring Eric into the discussion because, like, there seems to be a difference between how Parson reacted, especially his comments on Wednesday where he said that Trump was absolutely not to blame for what happened at the Capitol, and, and Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. did. J.B. Pritzker called for Trump to resign or be impeached right away. But obviously, J.B. Pritzker is a Democrat. Parson's a Republican. When you hear stuff like that, what's your reaction? Basically, I would say I would expect it from Pritzker. He's He's been outspoken about a lot of... Uh, different parts of the Trump presidency. He was really upset early on in the pandemic about how the response was handled by the federal government. So I'm not surprised by the top Democrat in uh, the state of Illinois to say this, or you know what, what some might consider to be the top Democrat. Um, other Democratic senators uh, have been forceful too. Tammy Duckworth, Dick Durbin, uh, especially in, in the their speeches after the insurrection talking about why they're voting to certify Joe Biden as the president. So, And before you continue, Eric, I'm going to play a quick a, a clip from Durbin right now. The vote we're going to have here is a clear choice of whether we are going to feed the beast of ignorance or we are going to tell the truth to the American people. We saw that beast today roaming the halls. Let's not invite it back. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's not surprising that the Democrats are very, very sim they're they're taking similar approaches and similar tacks to what happened. There, many of them have stated how horrified they were that this happened, that it was allowed to happen, really. Um, so I, I, it's it's in line with what I would have expected. Now I want to step back from Holly for a second and talk about the the Republicans in Illinois and Missouri and how they handled the, the vote on overturning Arizona and Pennsylvania. So in Missouri, there were five House members that voted to uh, reject the Biden electors in those states. Billy Long of Springfield, Blaine Luke DeMeyer of St. Elizabeth, Vicki Hartzler of Harrisonville, Sam Graves of Tarkio, and Jason Smith of Salem. And in Illinois, when we're talking about our coverage area, uh, Rodney Davis and uh, Darren LaHood voted to sustain Biden's electors, and Mary Miller and, and Mike Bost voted to reject them. And some of the some of the lawmakers I just mentioned who voted to reject Biden's electors were, were defending their decisions even after the violent siege that we saw. I want to read a statement from Hartzler who said the need to ensure election integrity has not changed and the concerns regarding voter integrity are not washed away because protesters, many of whom supported President Trump, stormed the Capitol today. Jacqueline, I'll go to you first before I go to Eric. It seems to me that there's a lot, there has been criticism, a lot of criticism of these House members, but not nearly to the level of, of Holly. Uh, do you have any, 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 uh, theories about why that's the case. 
I think Holly has just been more vocal. Um, he's not been shy about getting on different, you know, shows like we saw Tucker Carlson. He's not been shy, you know, to go out and throw a fist up to those supporters. Well, um, those statements are coming out in support of a free and fair election, which everyone in America, let's just be clear, everyone in America wants our elections to be fair and there needs to be no voter fraud, which there is no evidence of. Um, Holly has been critical of, of this election process and where, whereas those statements are upholding you know, election integrity. That's my uh, general understanding, but I don't know. Again, Holly's, um, he's not shy. Um, he's, he's become kind of like a, a Trump junior. A lot of people have, have seen him as uh, very conservative and uh, like-minded as president Trump is. So uh, maybe it's just the polarized uh, situation that we found ourselves here uh, in our country right now. Yeah, I think another reason why Holly might be getting more attention or, or more of the backlash is because he was the first senator to say that he was going to object against these votes, whereas there had been a couple of House members who had indicated that they would also object, but you needed one House member and one senator to, to get that done. And he's also just, he's also higher profile. There are fewer senators and there are house members. Holly has more people to answer to. He has the entire state of Missouri to answer to versus Bost who has to answer to Southern Illinois. Mary Miller has to answer to mostly Eastern Illinois. And we'll even see if that, we'll see how those districts change when, when redistricting happens. Yeah. And I think my theory kind of stems from what uh, University of St. Louis political science professor Anina Mannion told me. I, I asked her if she still felt that after all that's happened over the last couple of days, whether people in rural and exurban Missouri still had the same type of support they had for the president as they did in November. Here's her response. I do think there is a segment of his base that will be undeterred, as the president himself said. His supporters, he could shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue. And they will still support him. So there is just a loyalty that I haven't seen for other politicians before among his really ardent base. And I don't think that's going away. I, I think it's important to uh, to look at the way President Trump was able to tap into that base. Um, even though he is from a wealthy family and lived in New York, has all these buildings, he has positioned himself as an outsider, um, he has positioned himself as someone who remembers about flyover country, about the people who are often forgotten about um, in you know the goings on in Washington D.C. Um, particularly where I'm from, people people don't really know a lot of his policy stances, but they feel seen and they feel heard by him, um, whether that's rooted in reality or not. Like we saw in, in Missouri, um, for instance, when the vote for Medicaid expansion came in, a lot of the people who are going to be benefiting from Medicaid expansion in rural Missouri voted it down, right? Um, we, do, we know that we don't always vote in our best interest. Um, and, and primarily we're voting for those, those uh, top of the ticket 
higher profile names and people that we feel as though we can align ourselves with. And, and Donald Trump did a great job at appealing to people who feel forgotten by politicians in Washington. And like Anita Mannion said, he has got, you know, very loyal supporters who are completely unbothered by what happened at the Capitol. And they feel like they are doing what they are doing to protect our democracy. Um, so how we come back from this is, is going to be really interesting to look at in the future. We'll be right back after this quick break. And we're back on Politically Speaking with Jacqueline Driscoll and Eric Schmidt talking about the fallout from Missouri and Illinois federal politicians after January 6, 2021. I, I want to move on to impeachment. We're recording this on Tuesday, uh, January 12th. It's very possible slash likely the House could be voting to impeach Trump for the second time uh, tomorrow, which is Wednesday. It is... Something that I think most, if not all, House Democrats support. Um, and in fact, there are lawmakers from Missouri, especially Congresswoman Cori Bush, who not only support impeaching Donald Trump, but also throwing out lawmakers that supported overturning Joe Biden's victory. I actually talked with her on the way to Jefferson City yesterday. Here's part of what she had to tell me. Our lives were at risk. Not only the Congress members, but our staff uh, and other other staff working around the Capitol. All of our lives were at risk. People had actual weapons. They had zip ties. What were they going to do with the zip ties? We're, and so instead of them paying attention to and calling out, calling that out and focusing on that division, they want to call the fact that we want them removed for standing with them divisive. No, that's not the division. The division is that they have been working for months to overturn this election and to steal this election. That was the division. The division is where were they when when, when George Floyd and, and um, Breonna Taylor were murdered? What what where did they stand? Did they show up at a protest and were they bringing unity then? Now, what Bush is referring to is kind of the response from a number of Republicans, even ones like U.S. Senator Roy Blunt that did not support overturning Joe Biden's win, but are not enamored with impeachment. And that is, there's not much time left in Trump's term. It's best to just let him fizzle out and let Biden become president. And that is basically the message that Blunt provided in an interview on Sunday with CBS's Face the Nation. Here's a clip from that. You don't believe he has committed an impeachable offense? I don't think there's any, uh, uh, that's not really the question. The question well, is, is, my there question. Any, is there any, well, I'm giving you my answer. Is there any likelihood that he could possibly be removed between now and January the 20th? And if there's no additional ensuing event, my, my belief is there is no possibility of that. And okay. so as Nancy Pelosi just said, and as Jim Clyburn said yeah. earlier today, this is more of a long-term punishment of the president yes. than trying to remove him from office. That's, that's right. when. The politics take over and the protecting the government uh, is left behind. I'll throw this to Eric first. I, I don't think it's going to be I don't think it, I don't think the Illinois delegation will be much of a surprise. I'm assuming that all the Illinois Democrats will vote to impeach and that people like uh, Representatives Boston Miller will not vote to impeach. What I'm kind of looking forward to see is what people like Rodney Davis and Adam Kinzinger will do. Um, what are you kind of looking for on Wednesday? 
Yeah, I, I think that the the votes for to certify or not are a good indicator of of the future. Uh, Bost and Miller will most likely not vote or vote to not impeach. Um, Kinzinger has released a statement or released his video. It's talking about uh, invoking the 25th Amendment. Uh, he might he may mm-hmm. vote to impeach. He's been somebody who has been very vocal about his dissatisfaction or, or his uh, being upset with how Trump has uh, conducted himself as as president. I am not sure that Davis will vote to to impeach this time around. The last time he said something to the effect of uh, there, there needed to be an independent investigation and actual proof of a crime. Uh, that was the last time around. I wasn't able to find any specific statements, whether in, in indicating his position this time. But Davis has positioned himself as a centrist Republican, someone who is bipartisan, someone who likes to work across party lines. And this uh, this kind of a vote is a huge step. And it might be something that tarnishes a, a, a reputation or an ability to work with some Republican lawmakers. Now, you mentioned Adam Kinzinger uh, and his his video. I want to play a clip from that video where he talked about his support of Mike Pence, the vice president, invoking the 25th Amendment and removing Trump from office, presumably for the rest of his term. All indications are that the president has become unmoored, not just from his duty, nor even as of, but from reality itself. It is for this reason that I call for the vice president and members of the cabinet to ensure the next few weeks are safe for the American people and that we have a sane captain of the ship. Section 4 of the 25th Amendment allows a majority of the cabinet and the vice president to assume the duties of the office of presidency until the president is able to himself. It's time to invoke the 25th Amendment and to end this nightmare. So I'm going to throw this to Jacqueline because, as has been said many times on this show, uh, you covered Illinois politics before you came here. At first, when I when I heard Adam Kinzinger and even Rodney Davis uh, speak out against overturning the election, I, I have to be honest, I was pretty cynical about it. I think both of those uh, Republicans are going to be targeted during redistricting. The Illinois legislature is controlled by Democrats. There's going to be intense pressure for them to create a map that gerrymanders Republicans out of existence. But now I, I think we've gone past that point of politics because people like Kinzinger putting himself out there so much, it's not really about his political career anymore. I've heard other lawmakers, including one from Michigan, talk about how people that voted to sustain Joe Biden's victory, who are Republicans, have been getting death threats and their families have been getting death threats. It, it seems like this is not political anymore for people like Davis and Kinzinger. What, what, what's kind of your view? I, I would love to believe that this is not political um, and uh, politicians are following a moral compass. And um, personally, uh, knowing uh, represent representative Rodney Davis. I, I do believe that. Um, I I've not worked with or spoken with Kinzinger, but I do think that they have some serious concerns about the future of our democracy. And, um, they are putting themselves out there. Kinzinger obviously got a lot of national attention for that call. Um, although he does think it's too late for an impeachment. Um, and he would like, uh, vice president Pence to invoke that 25th amendment. And I think that has to do also with, 
um, President Trump not being able to run again in 2024. Um, I, I hope this is not about politics and this is coming from a place of personal morality and what's best for our country. Something that I would want to add about the impeachment is that it's almost entirely clear that if the House were to vote for vote to impeach, that Donald Trump would not be convicted before he would be out of office, before Joe Biden would take leadership. I think the 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 big question or the 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 narrative that I would think about is whether or not lawmakers on Capitol Hill, specifically Republican senators, want to take a drastic step and say what we saw on January 6th was so abhorrent that we don't want to let this guy anywhere near any election ever again, which is something that could come out of an impeachment vote and a Senate trial. We'll be right back after this short break. And now we're going to use the the last few minutes of this show just to provide some final reflections. Um, I don't I don't know if uh, three public radio reporters who cover Missouri and Illinois can really sum up what's happening for the nation, but I know for all all three of us, last Wednesday was was a difficult thing to witness, as I said on the outset. Um, Eric, what's your what's your what is the main takeaway that you want to convey to our audience? It was it was really jarring to to see what was happening on on Wednesday. Um, honestly, I I couldn't even process it for many hours. I didn't really understand what was um, what was going on, and I I think I think moving forward, especially for for our listeners, it's a I would think it's a time to reflect and and consider you know, what, what your values are and, and how they align or don't align with the people who represent, um, who represent you. I think that that maybe that might be a little bit wishful, um, that, you know, that, 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 that would, um, you know, whether or not people would, I guess, change their minds about it. But I think it's something to consider whether or not the people who we vote into office actually represent how we feel and, and what we think is right. And and if that is, and if it's, and if that comes, if we, if we go through that process and we still have people who are um, challenging a free and fair election, I think that that says more about the, you know, the ways that our democracy is failing people and, and how we need to, to work together to rebuild it. And as public radio reporters, we can work in that to tell tell this tell the stories and tell us you know what what people are feeling but i think it has to i think it's a it's a moment for for people everyone to to reflect on on what we want our country our government our representatives to do for us and how they should be acting so outside of political um obvious just devastation uh, that I felt to see, you know, where our nation has, has like w- what state we are um, right now in our nation. Um, I'd say the most jarring image that I saw on Wednesday, um, and it's still like deeply, deeply offends me, 
was seeing um, people walk through the halls of our U.S. Capitol carrying a Confederate flag, um, seeing a noose um, on, you know, not not far from our U.S. Capitol, um, and just knowing that the people that were there desecrating one of our most sacred buildings um, were white supremacists. Um, to know that that is still so present in our nation just really troubles me. Um, and then it's not lost on me when you see the people cleaning up the Capitol the day after or, or that night um, to allow Congress and, and senators to go back in to certify the election results. Primarily the people cleaning up the messes are people of color. They're black people, they're Latinas, they're Hispanics, um, cleaning up the mess of, of white people that, that continue to cause so much destruction. Um, it, it just deeply offends me and we need to do so much more work to make sure that those people don't have voices. We, white supremacists have no place in, in our country and um, we need to make sure that we are upholding the values of democracy. And um, I hope that we never see anything like that ever again. So there are two final thoughts that I want to, to, to convey. Um, I want to bounce a little bit off of Jacqueline's point. As somebody who covered the, the protest movement after Michael Brown's shooting death, there was, there was an inescapable link about what happened in Ferguson and what happened on Wednesday. Seeing what happened at the Capitol, it, it brought back really painful memories of me covering Ferguson in 2014 and 2015 and 2016 and 2017. And I'm really thankful that I have been with a therapist uh, since 2016 to sort through a lot of the uh, mental health challenges I have from covering Ferguson and, and other things as well. But I, I'm mentioning the mental health aspect very purposefully to say that it is okay to seek out help if you need help during this time. Not everybody has the financial uh, access to a therapist. Um, and, and even if they do, it, it may be that they can't get one right now just because I, I, I assume that a lot of therapists are definitely booked and have been since the pandemic. But I, I want to tell our audience it's okay not to feel okay, that if you're not feeling mentally in the place that you need to and you should talk to your friends you should talk to your family you should you should tell them that you're upset about what happened i don't think there's anything wrong with saying that um and i also think that and this may seem counterintuitive i think that obviously a good coping mechanism is to just turn off all your devices and not pay attention to what's going on but i feel like what's going on in our country is too important to shroud ourselves in in a, a digital veil of ignorance and i think we have to be watchful of what's happening but i think everybody needs to make sure that they are checking in with the people that they need to over the next few days and months jacqueline eric thank you for joining me for this show we're going to get back to doing shows with guests uh, later this week follow me on twitter at jay rosenbaum stlpublicradio.org is where you find our stories. Eric, where can we find your stories? 
You can also find my stories at stlpublicradio.org. And you can follow me on Twitter at Eric D. Schmid. And that's S-C-H-M-I-D. There's no T at the end. And Jacqueline. At Driscoll NPR. Thank you very much. And until next time, so long.